0: Thank you for joining us at Key Life Fellowship for our Pulpit Ministry Podcast. Each sermon on this podcast is from our 11 a.m. Sunday service. We are glad that you have joined us digitally, but would love to see you in person on Sunday mornings at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Now, let's open God's Word and ask Him to reveal His truths for our lives.
1: And as you're being seated, if you would, turn in your Bible to John and his Gospel in chapter 5. As you're turning there in John chapter 5, I want to remind you of the lesson that this lesson is coming off the hills of. We see that Jesus taught in our lesson last Sunday His equality with the Father. His co-equality, His co-essence with the Father, and He taught this lesson without apology. In this lesson today, He is going to begin to warn of a coming or a future resurrection, and a coming and future judgment. In this lesson, I want to go ahead and tell you now, the Lord does not give an eschatological timeline. What that means is he's not going to lay out the events in order that they're going to happen in end-time prophecy. That's not his intent here. His intent here is to speak of the reality of the future and coming resurrections and judgments. I want you to see that in the plural here. Resurrections and judgments. Judgments. We're not going to cover all of the eschatological theories and ideas behind these resurrections and judgments, though those things are definitely worthy of our time and our study and our effort to see what the Scriptures teach about those things. We won't be covering those things today, but we will. what we will be covering is what the Lord covers in this text, and that is the certainty and the warning of future resurrection and judgment. He covers for us the guarantee that resurrection and judgment will occur. And He does that not so that we can uncover all the end-time mysteries. He does that in this text so that we will not be taken off guard. We will not be ill-prepared when these things happen. So let's read together in John Chapter 5, I know we covered verse 24 last week. I want to go back and grab that as an intro, what we're looking at today. Verse 24, the Lord says, I tell you the truth. Remember, when you see that, I tell you the truth, or verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. When you hear, I tell you the truth, verily, 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 you need to listen up. Whoever hears My word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Underline that in your Bible and understand what He is saying there. Verse 25, He says, I tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. We know this. At this point in time in this conversation, He is talking about spiritual resurrection that occurs for the believer. The fact that they are dead in their sin when they are made alive in Christ Jesus. They have believed. Therefore, they have crossed over from death to life. He goes on and He says this in verse 26, For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. And He has given Him authority to judge because He is the Son of Man. We see in that text right there, in those two verses that we just read, 26 and 25, we see the Son of God in reference to Christ. And then we see Him refer to Himself as the Son of Man. Again, reminding us of His deity. The fact that He was fully God and fully man all at the same time. Jesus hasn't left uh, the subject at hand here of showing who He really is. He's just taking it to the extreme because He's going to teach them that He is also the resurrection and He is also the judge. Verse 28, it says, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. He's speaking here of the bodily resurrection that will happen to all. To all. He says, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Verse 30, because He knows the hearts of the people who are there listening to Him. He addresses their doubt. Who does this guy think he is? He reminds them, verse 30, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but Him who sent me. I want us to talk about these verses today in a message entitled, Jesus' Warnings of Future Resurrection and Judgment. Again, I want you to see them not in an eschatological timeline, but I want you to see them as a truth and as a reality. The only way to do that is to break them down properly in this text and that's what we're going to do. first thing that I want you to see if you're taking notes is this. The first thing is this. The coming judge who came. The coming judge who came. Verse 24, He said, I tell you the truth, whoever hears My word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. When Jesus Christ came the first time, we know this. He preached a message of faith and repentance in Him. He goes on, He says, I tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. We know this. Jesus came to proclaim the truth of the Gospel, to die as a sacrifice for the sin of man and to bring life to the dead spiritually. Verse 26 says, For as the Father has life in Him, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. And He has given Him authority to judge because He is the Son of Man. So we see this when we talk about Jesus. We need to see that He's the coming judge who came. Christ is the eternal Son of God. He established that in our last lesson in John chapter 5. And he came to offer himself as a sacrifice of atonement for all who would believe and trust in him. But he is also, as he referenced here in these verses, the Son of Man. And he will return as the Son of Man to judge and to exercise God's wrath on all unrepentant sinners and to bring salvation to all those who have believed by faith and trusted in Him. Jesus is going to come back in bodily form. There will be no phantom or phantasm. He will come back as Jesus, the Son of God, incarnate, bodily form, glorified, riding on a white stallion as Scripture tells us. And He will come back. The Judge He is the coming Judge who came. Why is that so important? It's important because we must see two elements of Christ in judgment. Acts chapter 10, verse 42. It says, He commanded, speaking of Jesus, us, the apostles, to preach to the people and to testify that He is the One whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Jesus is going to come back as the judge to judge the living and the dead. Peter declares this in Acts chapter 10 that He is that Judge, just as Jesus has declared here in verses 24-27, through especially there in 27, that He is the Judge. Now, I want you to see this. He came to bear the judgment of the saints on His first advent. Many people say that He came not to bring judgment. Oh, He did. He's going to come again to bring judgment. He came to bring judgment for the saints. Did you know this every one of you who are born again here in this room today, you have truly been saved through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It is because he bore your judgment on the cross in your stead, in your place, Jesus Christ bore the judgment that belongs to you. So we know when we look at him as the coming judge who came when we see that he came initially 2000 years ago. When he came and he was born of a virgin, he came as Emmanuel, God with us. He came to die for all of those who would by faith trust in Him. He came to bear the judgment of the saints. Back in fact, Romans 8.1 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because when Jesus came to this earth the first time, He bore your condemnation on His back. You haven't done anything to deserve to be uncondemned. When He came the first time, He was condemned on behalf of all of those who would, by faith, believe in Him in the future. That means this. When Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago, He died specifically for Kirk Hall. And specifically for all of you who believe and trust in Him. And He bore your judgment and the wrath of God on the cross in your place. He died where you should have died. He was tortured, where you should have been tortured. Jesus came to bear the judgment of the saints the first time. He's the judge who came, but He's also the coming judge. And I want you to see this. Christ is coming again to judge the sinners. He is coming again to judge the sinners. He came to bear the judgment of the saints, but He's coming again to bear... Or to judge, excuse me, the sinners who He did not bear their sin when He came the first time. They are the unbelievers. They are the unregenerate. They are those who are lost. Those who are still dead in their sin. In fact, Colossians speaks of this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. Now I know this, as a believer, Jesus bore the wrath of God on my behalf on a cross outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, but if you are not a believer here today, there is a future wrath and a future judgment that is coming for you. Christ is coming to judge the unregenerate sinner. Romans 2 verse 5, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, You, this is talking to the unbeliever, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. And His righteous judgment will be revealed in Christ. Please understand that. He is the coming judge who came. Christ came to bear the judgment of the saints, but Christ is coming again to judge all of the unregenerate sinners. Jonathan Edwards said this. He said, Wicked people on the day of judgment will see all there is to see of Jesus except His beauty and loveliness. Well, oh, they will see all there is to see of Jesus except His beauty and His loveliness. Those of us who are in Christ, we have seen His beauty and His loveliness and His grace and His mercy and His kindness. And we will experience that for all eternity. But let me tell you this. Those who were caught in their sin when Christ returns, let me explain this to you. They will only see the wrath and judgment of God in Christ Jesus at that time. Jesus will come again to judge all sinners who remain in their unbelief and their sin. He is the coming judge who came. I'm thankful that He came the first time to offer mercy and grace to all who would believe. But for those who reject mercy and grace. He is the coming judge who will give you the penalty that you have coming. Instead of Him bearing the wrath of God in your place at the cross, you will bear the wrath and justice of God for all eternity in hell. I know, not popular teaching. It's not going to get any better in this message. We're going to see what Jesus teaches exactly about resurrection and judgment today. We see the first thing. The coming judge who came. Secondly, I want you to see this. The certain resurrection. We've seen the coming judge who came. Let's look at the certain resurrection. Verse 28, He talks about this resurrection. He says, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear His voice. When all who are in their graves will hear His voice and come out. How many? All. Many people think that resurrection is just for the believer. We're going to see that the believer will be resurrected to life. The unbeliever will be bodily resurrected to eternal death. Where the fire will never be quenched, and the worm shall never die. A certain resurrection, all will be raised. All will be resurrected bodily. The dead who are asleep in Christ they will be raised to bodily glorification. And those who are dead in their sin, they will be raised to bodily destruction. You say, well, what does that look like? It looks like this. The believer will be given a glorified, perfected body that will never, ever, ever perish, spoil, or fade. The unbeliever will be given an eternal body that will never, ever die. Day after day, moment after moment, in agony and hell, that unbeliever will never have the judgment of God quenched on their life. That life will exist for all eternity. We can't measure it in a measurement that we can understand because we measure in time. We would say, day after day, they will face the judgment and wrath of God in hell. That doesn't do it justice because when we measure days, we know this, eventually days end. However, in God's element of measuring His economy, He works in eternity, not time. They will never end in their torment, in their agony, in their pain, in their death because of sin and their unbelief. There's a certain resurrection that will happen. This is a foretold resurrection. This is not something new. As we see here, John recording the words of Jesus as Jesus spoke on resurrection. This wasn't a new teaching. In fact, Daniel chapter 2 speaks, 12, excuse me, verse 2 speaks of this foretold resurrection. Daniel says this in chapter 12, verse 2, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Even Daniel knew of the two resurrections that were going to happen and the two judgments that were going to happen. He knew this, that some would be resurrected to life because their sin had been judged upon the back of Christ. And some will be resurrected to eternal death because their sin had not been atoned for. And they will pay for their sin forever in hell. Daniel testifies to this truth, but not only Daniel, Job testifies to the truth Of the foretold resurrection. In fact, Job chapter 19, verse 25, Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. Oh, yes, he will. He will actually stand upon the Mount of Olives, and the earth will quake because of his presence. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. Daniel, excuse me, Job understood, just as Daniel understood. That those who trust in the Redeemer will stand to new and resurrected life. He said, yet, even though my skin is destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. He understood glorification before glorification was ever explained. Verse 27, I myself will see Him. With my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Oh, the person who knows my Redeemer lives. His heart yearns within Him for future resurrection. Oh, we can't wait until we are given those glorified bodies where we can be in the presence of our Lord and our Savior who offered Himself in our place on the cross. But for the unbeliever, because we see, as Daniel said, there's another resurrection. Resurrection to others. and is a resurrection to shame and everlasting contempt. They will spend an eternity Suffering and agony and pain and shame and contempt because they did not believe in Christ and because they did not repent of their sin. And so we see the certain resurrection. It is a foretold resurrection. It is a future resurrection. A coming resurrection. A resurrection to life for the believer. Scripture calls that the first resurrection. And blessed are ye who take part in the first resurrection. There's also the coming resurrection to condemnation for the unbeliever. This can be seen as the second resurrection. In fact, Revelation 20, verse 13, this second resurrection precedes the second death. The second death is where those who are raised to life in their state of unbelief will spend an eternity dying over and over and over and over again in hell. I know what many people say. Kirk, do you have to be one of those hellfire brimstone preachers? Yes, because we're talking about what Jesus is saying here and I'm not going to go around it to suit your ears that want to be tickled. We're going to look at the truth of the Word of God and what the Word of God truly says. This is what Jesus is laying out here for these people. These are not words that I've made up or theories that I've made up. We've already seen. They knew about these things in the Old Testament Jesus is reiterating them in the New Testament, His apostles will go on to do the same in their writing. Why would we ignore these things? There's a certain resurrection that is coming. Foretold resurrection. Future resurrection. that's coming. It's coming for the believer. It's coming for the unbeliever. The believer to life. And the unbeliever to eternal death. This is not only a foretold resurrection, a future resurrection. It is also a final resurrection for all. This will be the beginning of forever for everyone. One of two destinations. You will either experience eternal life at this resurrection, dwelling in the presence of God and in the presence of all of His goodness for all eternity because of what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross. Or secondly, you will experience the second death which is eternal death. Enduring the wrath and judgment of God. You say, well, I don't know if I, dis- if I agree with all of this hell stuff. Well, you disagree with what Scripture teaches. So you might as well be reading the Farmer's Almanac. But Scripture teaches the second death. In fact, Revelation mentions the second death four different times. And in the Revelation, we see in Revelation 2.11, Revelation 20, verse 6, Revelation 20, verse 14, Revelation 21, verse 8, Every time that the second death is mentioned, it is always in reference to the eternal state of the unbeliever in the lake of fire which we know as the final hell. Every time that is the second death and it is an an eternal death. The believer will be resurrected to eternal life. The unbeliever will be resurrected to eternal death. Be certain you will be resurrected to one or the other. I don't say that to scare you. I say that because I love you. And I care for your soul. And I don't want you to perish an eternal death. Because Jesus Christ came to rescue some of you. Hear His voice today. Turn to Him. Him alone. trust in what He did for you at the cross. We see the certain resurrection. We've seen the coming judge who came. The certain resurrection. Number three, and the next part of verse 29, I want you to see this. He's going to give us details about who will participate in these resurrections. You see, thirdly, the converted saints in Christ. Verse 29. He says, those who have done good will rise to live. Those who have done good. And I don't want you to think for a moment that Jesus is preaching works-based salvation. That's not what He's doing. He's not preaching works salvation. On the contrary, He is preaching salvation that works. The fact that you who are in Christ will be new creations. That your old life will be gone and you will live a new life of obedience unto the Lord. He is preaching salvation that actually walks in the works that God has prepared in advance for us to walk in. Those good deeds of God that bring Him glory and honor and praise. We see he's talking about the converted saints in Christ. Converted saints who are now doing the good that God willed that they do, that they could not do before they were in Christ. Did you know this? Before you were in Christ, you could not do any good. But as now that you have been redeemed by Christ, you can now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, according to the Word of God, walk in those works that God has prepared in advance for you. Walk in. You see, he's talking about the converted saints who do good to bring God glory. Who are these saints? Write this down. They are the reborn. The reborn, we learned in John chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus said this to Nicodemus, you must be born again. If you have entered into this life through natural childbirth, through your mother, you have been born physically. But Jesus was talking about a spiritual rebirth or a spiritual regeneration. And he's saying this that if you're truly going to be one of the converted saints who are resurrected to life, you must be born again. This rebirth will be evidenced, watch this, by faith and repentance and obedience. You will be doing good. Even Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I don't know about you, but I do know about me, and I do know what Scripture says. And I know this, when I was not in Christ, I could not do the will of His Father who is in heaven. I did the will of Kirk Hall, the sinner on this earth. But it is when I was reborn and regenerated rebirth to new life, then and only then could I do works that brought God glory, honor and praise. And so we see the good works that are coming out of the lives of these saints are because they have been reborn. These saints are reborn. Secondly, these saints are resurrected to eternal life. Romans 6:23. Most of us know what it says. It says, for the wages of sin is death. And if Scripture stopped there, wouldn't we all be in trouble? But it doesn't. Praise God for His grace and His mercy in Christ. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The converted saints in Christ, they will be reborn but they will be resurrected to eternal life. Positionally, we have been resurrected to eternal life. It's as good as ours because Christ has already attained it for us. But we know this. There will be that practical where we are raised bodily in glorified vessels. Paul said, I have on corruptible. One day I shall put on in He understood that glorified state, that glorified body. 1 John chapter 5, we see that in verse 20 in John's epistle, he says, We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Those of you who are in Christ, you are in life eternal. Why? Because He is the resurrection and the life just as we will see Him say in just a few more chapters. He is the resurrection and the life and he who believes in Him shall never die. Though your body dies, you will be resurrected to eternal life. Aren't you thankful for that those of you who are in Christ? We see there are the converted saints reborn, resurrected to eternal life, redeemed by Christ sacrifice it is christ who has made this possible may we never forget that may we never think that it's anything good that we could do or have done 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 speaks of this redemption in christ those who are redeemed he says for god did not appoint us to suffer wrath why why would he say that about the believers because jesus has already bore the wrath that belonged to us For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. The promise to the saint is that we will always live, whether we are awake or whether we are asleep. No matter what happens, no matter what happens in life, no matter what happens in death, we will always live because of Christ. The fact that we are in Him and He is the resurrection and the life. He makes that point so clear in this passage. The converted saints are redeemed because of Christ and His sacrifice. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. What does that even mean? Watch this. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Jesus Christ was hung on a tree but he did not belong there. you know who belonged on that tree? Do you know who belonged to suffer the curse of sin? This guy right here. Why? Because I am a transgressor and a breaker of the law. Jesus broke not one single law. Yet He was cursed upon a tree in My place and in the place of all who believe and trust in Him. What a glorious thing to see these saints that have been converted In Christ, you have been changed because of what He did for you. The curse removed. The curse placed upon Him. Galatians chapter 9, verse 15, since we're still on the topic of redemption, says this, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that He has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. He died as a ransom or as a payment or watches as redemption for my sin. He owed nothing in regard to sin. I owed everything. Because I am a sinner. I am a transgressor. And apart from Jesus Christ, I would be judged for my sin. But all glory and honor and praise to Him He converted sinners into saints. The reborn, the resurrected, the redeemed who are in Christ. Ephesians 1, verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. It is in Him, in Christ, that we have access the riches of God's grace and are now seen as the converted saints in Christ. Those who are converted in Christ, they will be born again. They will be transformed from sinners to saints. Their life will be accompanied by good works that He does through them by the power of His Spirit for His own glory. And they will be rewarded with life eternal not because of anything good in them, but because of the grace that God offered through redemption in Jesus Christ. The redemption came for us at the cross. We see the converted saints. We've seen the certain resurrection, the coming judge who came. Now let's look at the condemned sinners. I told you. There will be those who are resurrected to life, the converted saints. But there will also be those, the condemned sinners, who are resurrected to eternal judgment. Verse 29, the next part there. It says this, there will be those who have done good, and they will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. The fact of the matter is this, according to what Jesus taught in John chapter 3, they are condemned already. They are condemned already because they have not believed. And because they have not believed, they are condemned. We see the condemned sinners in that verse. They're condemned already and they will remain condemned unless by God's grace they turn to Jesus Christ and believe and trust in Him and Him alone as their Savior and the only One who can forgive them and grant to them eternal life. The only One who died in their place. They will remain in a state of condemnation oh, they won't remain in a state of condemnation just for this short life. That would be easy, wouldn't it? That's what the liberals want to teach. That they'll have a tough life, but then they'll just go to the grave and they'll just kind of die out of existence. Can I tell you this? That is not what Jesus taught. That is not what the Old Testament saints taught. That is not what Scripture anywhere Teaches. The liberal Christians of today or the so-called liberal Christians of the day will just say this. Yeah, they've lived enough bad in this life. God's not going to double stamp that with hell. Let me just tell you this. That is false doctrine. It's going to send people straight to hell and condemnation for all eternity. You see the condemned sinners, they reveal their depravity by a life of evil works. He said those who have done evil Did you know this? All unbelievers' lives will be characterized by sin. That's how we know the difference between a true believer and a true unbeliever. A true believer's life will be characterized by obedience to Christ and a true unbeliever's life will be characterized by sin. Stop thinking that it works any other way in the gray Christianity that we see in our culture today. That's not biblical Christianity. Does everybody understand that? The condemned sinner will reveal their depravity by a life of evil works and evil deeds. It will be a life characterized and defined by sin. In fact, Galatians chapter 5. It says this in verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Well, what are they? Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. he says, anything else that you know obviously is evil. I warn you as I did before. Pay close attention to this. I warn you. For all the people who think that the Scriptures don't warn you of the coming wrath of God, I warn you as I did before. Watch this. That those who live like this will not, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because He already told us this. There's going to be a resurrection to judgment and in that resurrection to judgment, they will stand before God. They will answer for their life of depravity that was defined by their evil deeds, by their evil works, by their sin. First Corinthians 6, verse 9. says this, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. what a warning. Do not be deceived. You know what that tells us? The enemy is trying to deceive you into thinking that they will. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Watch this. And that is what some of you were. You once were defined by those things. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What is he saying? He's saying this. There are some who will find life in Christ and be changed. And there are others who will not find life in Christ. They will reject Christ and they will hold on to their life of sin. And that life of sin will define them and they will be judged for it for all eternity. Stop telling people who are living a lifestyle of open immorality that they are okay. They're not okay. They're one step closer to facing the judgment and the wrath of God. That's what you need to tell them. That's what everyone is afraid to tell them. That's what they need to hear the most. We're going to see why. Because these condemned sinners... Refuse to believe and repent. Why is that essential that they heed to this message of belief and repentance? Hebrews chapter 10 says this, if we deliberately keep on sinning, this is the sin of apostasy. This is where you reject faith in Christ. You can continue to stay in a state of rejection. Watch what he says. After you have received the knowledge of the truth, you receive the knowledge of the truth today that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ and faith and trust in Him. And if you say, no, I'm going to stay in my sin, He says, no sacrifice for sins is left. What does that mean? Did the, blood, the power of the blood of Jesus run out? No. You ran over it. You trampled it. Watch what He says. You, you ignored it. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and of a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You you don't trust in Christ, there's going to be no other option to save you. There's no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. It is the name of Christ. He is the only Savior. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Watch this. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified Him and who has insulted the Spirit of grace. How much more do you think they deserve the wrath? Those of you who have heard the truth and you walk out today and you say, I'm going to not trust in Jesus and I'm going to live my life the way that I want to live it and no preacher is going to tell me anything else. Listen, this is not a preacher telling you that. I am reading the words of Christ. The words of Christ are telling you this. He is warning you. Why? Not because He hates you. He's warning you because He loves you. He's warning you that the lost will be condemned for we know Him who said it is mine to avenge. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge His people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Would you please listen to that? Scripture is full of warnings to the unbeliever about the judgment that is to come. We see the condemned sinners here. They reveal their depravity by a life of evil works. They refuse to believe and repent. Then, you see that they will be raised to eternal condemnation. Just as the converted saint will be raised to eternal life. The unconverted sinner. But I prayed a little prayer. Little prayers don't save you. Big saviors who came and died on a cross in your place to bear the wrath of God and judgment for your sin, those, he is the one who saves you. Not your little prayers. We see that these people will be raised to eternal condemnation. Revelation chapter 20, we see this. Verse 11. And then I saw a great white throne and Him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from His presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Did you catch that? The dead, those who were not in Christ, the condemned sinners, they were judged according to what they had done. Those books that he's talking about, they are books that keep an exact record of every sin that you have ever committed. And he says here, that they will be judged. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now you can do anything that you want to do there, but you just can't erase hell, can you, when he mentions it three times in two verses. But I want you to see what's happening here at the great white throne judgment. There are books that the unbeliever will be judged by. Their books that contain every evil deed that they have ever done. Every evil deed. Every evil plan. Every evil scheme. Every evil motive. You say, well, what happened to your books, Kurt? Th- they've all been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. All of my deeds have been washed and cleansed through His precious blood that He shed on the cross for me. My sins, they're no longer recorded in a book. They are cast as far as the east is from the west. They are at the bottom of the ocean floor. And He remembers them no more. My sins have been covered as the believer. We're not talking about the believer here. We're talking about the condemned sinner. The unbeliever. And the unbeliever is going to give an account in hell for every single sin that they ever committed. Said, do you believe that? Yeah, I just read it in Scripture. Of course I believe it. Daniel also testifies to it he goes on and he says this. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Well, oh, the only ones written in the book of life are those who have been given life in Christ. All those who have not surrendered to Christ, your name will not be found in the book of life. And because your name is not found in the book of life, you will have the other books opened up and you will be judged according to every single evil work that you have ever done. That scares you you might want to cry out to Jesus to save you today. Every evil deed? Yes, every single one. And you will receive the penalty that fits them. I assure you. What about the ones that no one knows anything about? He knows. I told you, he's kept a specific, detailed record. He doesn't miss a thing. I assure you. So We see the condemned sinner Raised to eternal condemnation. This is the unbelieving, unrepentant sinner. And you, ma'am, or sir, please listen to me. You will be judged by Christ. You will be judged in light of His perfection and you will fail miserably in comparison to His perfection. And you will be damned to hell for all eternity where your pain and your agony And the penalty for sin and unbelief will never cease. Again, I know I'm not going to be popular preaching this kind of truth. I get it. but This is exactly what my Savior preached. And let me just remind you, in a few chapters, they're going to murder Him for what He preached. He preached the truth. I oh, know we live in a society where we don't want to talk about judgment and we don't want to talk about hell. and Nobody wants to talk about it, but nobody will listen when you tell them how to avoid it. Well, I'm telling you how you can avoid it. You can avoid it through Christ and Christ alone if you are not in Christ. Your name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life. You will be judged in hell for all eternity because of your sin. Mark that down. Write it down. Understand. That it is real. We've seen the coming judge who came, the certain resurrection, the converted saints in Christ, then the condemned sinners. Oh, that certain resurrection that awaits both. Some, because this resurrection is final, will be resurrected to final and eternal life. Some, will be resurrected to final and eternal death. We know this is the second death. Many of you will try to erase the doctrine of resurrection. It's just easier that way, right? We just die. We go to the dirt and it's all over and it was all a game. However, you can't erase it from Scripture. In fact, Martin Luther says that the Lord has written the promise of resurrection not in books alone, but in every leaf in springtime. Every leaf in springtime. When we walk outside in spring and all the leaves that have been dead and now they're budding to new life, we can know that God has the power to bring things that seem dead and were dead to new life. He does it every spring. He will do it in the life of both believers and the unbelievers when He returns. And the last thing that I want to leave you with in this text is verse 30. Verse 30, we see the consistent God. Why is that important? Well, the first thing, and the first reason I want you to see that it, that is important is because God is not going to go back on anything that He's promised. Oh, we dance and we shout about the promise of eternal life. We neglect that He's also promised eternal judgment for those who are not in Christ. He's not going to renege on that. He is not going bow out on that and just at the last moment say, you know what? I think I'm just going to extend grace and mercy to all. Universal salvation. It doesn't work. Universalism is not true. In the end, everyone is not going to be saved. Why? Because I see in Revelation chapter 20 that people are cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. You see the consistent God in verse 30. Look what it says. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. My judgment is just. For I seek not to please Myself, but Him who sent Me. He says, I, by Myself, do nothing. He reminds us of what He's already taught us in verse 19 last week where it says that the Son can't do anything without the Father. What does that mean? You mean that Jesus is limited? No, it means that He can't work independently of the Father. The Father can't work independently of the Son. So watch this. We see them working together for their own glory. The glory of the Godhead. Jesus gives us this one last nugget of truth as He's closing this all up in regard to judgment and resurrection that is to come. He wants them to understand there's consistency in the Godhead concerning the co-equality that He mentioned in our last lesson. That by myself, I can do nothing. He reminds them. Exactly what He's already stated. Then, what he does, he talks about consistency in the Godhead concerning judgments. What is he saying here? He's saying what the Father says. Right, I, can, I can make no judgment unless I hear it from the Father. What the Father says, the Son secures. What the Father says that you're an unbelieving sinner, that's exactly what you are, and the Son will execute judgment upon the unbelieving sinner. He secures everything that the Father says. Everything concerning the unbeliever and the sentence to hell that they will receive. But He also secures the eternal destiny and eternal life of the believer. because The Father says, they're mine. The Son agrees. And He gives to them eternal life. We see the consistency in the Godhead concerning judgments. Look at the consistency in the Godhead here concerning will. What the Father wills, the Son executes. That's some of the time. All the time. What did He tell us? For I seek not to please Myself, but Him who sent Me. What the Father wills, the Son executes. Always. So the Son will execute the judgment concerning the unbeliever. The Son will execute their resurrection to death. The Son will also Execute the salvation and the eternal life for those who believe and who trust in Christ. I assure you of this, Jesus didn't throw this in here by accident. He knew the hearts of these people. Again, they were thinking, who do you think you are? He's letting them know again, I am one with the Father. Co-equal. Co-eternal. We do not differ. We are consistent on every judgment that we make. We are consistent on every gift of life is that we give. The Godhead will be consistent in offering resurrection as well as consistent in the execution of judgment on those who have not turned to faith in Jesus Christ. So how do we wrap all this up? What does all this mean to us? right? What does this mean to us in 2022? This speech that was given by Jesus 2,000 years ago, what could it possibly do in our life. Here's what I pray. I pray that it causes you to ask some questions. Some serious questions. Because oh, there's many of you who have learned how to speak Christianese and play the church game. But you're going to spend an eternity separated from the goodness of God in hell because you've never truly repented of your sin and turned by faith to Jesus Christ. So this ought to cause us to ask a few questions. Maybe some questions like this. Are you storing wrath for judgment? Are you storing up wrath for judgment? Romans chapter 2, verse 5, he says, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. Are you storing up wrath for yourself? God will give to each person according to what He has done. We already saw that. Jesus taught that, didn't He? Those who do good because they're in Christ, He's going to reward you with eternal life. Those who do evil, He's going to condemn you to eternal death. To those who by persistence in doing good, good seek glory, honor, and immortality, He will give eternal life. Verse 8 says, But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. So it serves that we ask ourselves this question, right, People? What am I doing? Am I storing up wrath for eternal judgment? What do you have coming? What awaits you in eternity? If your heart was to stop beating today, oh no, this is not how preachers are supposed to preach anymore. But I want you to think about it. What if your heart stopped before I finished today? Are you storing up for yourself wrath? For judgment? What awaits you? What about this question? Oh, Jesus taught us you're going to participate in one of two resurrections. Shouldn't we ask the question, which resurrection is Kirk Hall going to participate in? Will I be raised to eternal condemnation because I've never trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and my life is defined by my sin and my wickedness and will I spend an eternity separated from the goodness of God in hell? Or, number two, because there's only really two options in this as the Lord laid it out. Will I be resurrected to eternal life because of what Jesus Christ did for me at the cross 2,000 years ago? Because I believe and I trust in that and that principle alone to save me and to wash me and to cleanse me of all of my sin, proven by a life of repentance and obedience that brings God glory here and now on this earth. Shouldn't we ask those questions? Which resurrection will I take part in? Maybe another question. Will I spend eternity? Have I truly crossed over from death to life? Have I truly Surrendered by faith to Jesus Christ and Him in Him alone as my only hope of forgiveness and salvation, trusting in His sacrifice alone to cleanse me, to wash me, to forgive me, to grant to me eternal life. Perhaps today, somebody under the sound of my voice have to answer all those questions in the negative. Yes, if I were to perish today, the resurrection that I have to look forward to is that resurrection to condemnation. Yes, if I were to perish today, the only thing that I have to look forward to for all eternity is to be judged for my sin and to be cast into the lake of fire with the rest of the unbelievers for all eternity. Perhaps at you today. I would say this to you. I would implore you today call out to Jesus. Call out to Jesus in desperation to save your wicked soul today. To save your wicked soul from the hell that awaits you from the condemnation that already is upon you and the wrath of God that already abides in your life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is a desperate call. That is you realizing today the truth of what Jesus has taught here. That there is a future resurrection. There's a resurrection to life and there's a resurrection to death. And you will participate in one of the two. There is a future judgment. There will be a judgment where those who are in Christ will be judged for the good works that they have done to bring God glory and they will be rewarded in heaven. And there is a judgment where those who will stand before God and they will be judged for their sin and they will be cast into the lake of fire forever without Christ. Which one will you be participating in? Valid question. In fact, I believe it was the intent of Jesus here to cause us to ask these questions. How many of you will walk out of here today continuing to play games with something that you're inevitably not in control of at all? Your own eternal destiny. My encouragement to you today is this. Will you cry out to Jesus this very morning? The only One who can save you and wash you and cleanse you. How you answer these questions that we have just posed will be what determines the outcome of your eternity. These questions demand a response. You can A, respond by crying out to Jesus to rescue you from the coming wrath and judgment. Or you can B, continue to pretend like you have your life all together carrying on in your sin. In the face of the judgment and the wrath of God in hell for all eternity these questions demand a response and i say this to you ignorance is no longer a valid claim you have heard the truth from the mouth of jesus christ today as we have read exactly what he has said concerning future resurrection and judgment and the warnings that scripture has given us that go along with the words of Christ. We turn to Christ today as your Lord and your Savior. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to You asking You, Lord, to save souls from wrath and judgment. To rescue sinners and bring them out of darkness and into light. Lord, we ask You for that because we can't do that. Only You can. We can only... Preach the truth about who you are and what you're able to do. The truth about what is to come. Lord, we're dependent upon You to save the sinner. Making them a saint. Raising them to life and life eternal. I pray for that soul who's here today who needs to be saved. I pray that Your Spirit would draw them out of darkness and into light. That You would save them by Your grace and Your mercy through the blood that You shed on the cross on their behalf. God, I pray for the believer who's here today. That they would rejoice and stand in awe of what You did for them 2,000 years ago at a cross where You became a curse. You bore the wrath of God and the judgment of God in our place. May we forever Be overwhelmed by your goodness, your kindness, and your mercy. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Key Life Fellowship Pulpit Ministry Podcast. If you would like to talk with one of our pastors, please email us at info at keylifefellowship.org or call us at 281-689-1604. You can also visit our website at www.keylifefellowship.com. We hope and pray you have a blessed week. And remember, you are light in the darkness.